0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Double bag it. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ!
0: <laughs> so this is how we're gonna start.
1: <laughs> I don't know. What, 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 what are we gonna talk about? Uh, Willie, Willie, uh, y'all just lost Chase Claypool. How
2: you feel about it? I just found that up. Where do you go to Bears? Yeah, I went to Chicago. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's I mean, it's it's a situation where the Steelers are obviously in rebuild mode. Um, Kenny Pickett, you're gonna have to give him time. Clay, you know, you, you don't have to wait. It, you don't have to wait to May or March to to get rid of Claypool. So why not make the move now? I mean, they are the Steelers are who they are, and I think it was a necessary move. Now it's just a matter of where do you start building from? Because I feel like if you're going to trade, if you're going to trade Clay uh, Chase Claypool. um you might as well send Cameron Hayward off and let him go get a ring somewhere with a contender.
0: Damn. Man, That would be – to see that guy in a different uniform at the end of his career, I'm with you, and Cam's one of the all-time good yep. guys in the NFL. He's been a huge part of that locker room for so long. But, man, that's one of those guys it would just be sort of jarring to see oh, him outside well, of listen,
2: that. Play, I, listen, Cam's like my little my little brother, man. I I've, I've, – I've, I've, I have so many fond, you know, in-the-trenches memories with that dude, man. He's been such a stellar, such a key. You know, he is the essence of what, you know, mean Green was for the Steelers as far as being hard-nosed, tough, embodied the, the culture, lived by it, would sleep with it. Um, but the man deserves a ring. You know, he deserves a ring for everything that he's done on the field. And his legacy alone, he deserves, I think he's 32, 33 years old. He deserves a ring, man. And obviously, um the Steelers aren't going to get one this year. So, if 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 I had it, you know, and listen, this is me just talking ball. I think he just, he deserves a ring, man. And I would love to see him before he hangs it up. If and whenever he hangs it up, he walks out with a super, as a Super Bowl champion.
0: I'm trying to think of a contender that might be a fit that also has a need along the defensive line right now. I guess hmm.
2: for me it would be believe it or not, and I hate to say it, it would be the Eagles.
1: Uh, Man. Again?
2: Another because one? Jordan with Jordan Davis going down with the ankle, he's a young fella who could yeah, literally yeah, true. learn true. learn the game. Him and Hargrave should literally learn from <laughs> one of the best defensive tackles to play the game right now. Look look think about it. Peloti Nada went to the Eagles, right? Yeah. was at the Eagles, so it's it and I only and I only add that because Pelosi was kind of at the back in his career, but he was still effective. He still had an impact, and he was able to kind of be that peg for that defensive line during that time. Cam can still ball. Cam is still ball, but he deserves a ring. So why when you send him to a team who's currently seven and zero and looks like they're going to Arizona? Um, and if are so, the
0: Eagles, like this makes perfect sense because, Willie, what like, we're talking about here, and I'd be curious from your perspective on this just in general from the time when you were a player till now, it seems like the trade deadline is way more active than it used to be. And for a lot of these teams that feel like they're near the finish line, and the Philadelphia Eagles have to feel like with all the moves they put in with how well Jalen's playing, they're very, very well within that window in this current NFC. You just added Robert Quinn for that same reason. You bring you know, over Cam along the that d-line no one's got to have that many snaps under their belt heading into the postseason so when you hit january and february now you got dudes that you can roll wave after wave through there
2: and it's not even just from a depth standpoint it's about in guys who have been a part and then embraced the moment of big time football when you get towards the back end of the football season right you got you got teams who are who are battered, beaten, bruise, abused, right? They're barely making it. And you got teams that are like, listen, when we get to January, it's on. We just want to close everybody out. You need veterans to keep the young guys on the court, right? Because it's easy when you have that much success early. You're 7-0. It's easily when the superstars start coming around. It's easy to be distracted by the city. It's easy to be distracted that everybody's pumping you up. But the old vets, especially guys who've been to playoffs and been deep in the playoffs, understand from week fifteen to now seventeen, this is time you, sh- you you start telling the family, "Hey man, I'm gonna be a little more distant than normal because when I get to the playoffs, this is a one game elimination. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little more ornery than normal because I'm battling injuries that I've acquired since week three. I may be a little more pissed off than normal because I'm at the age of thirty three and I don't know if I'm gonna be here again. So I gotta go get it." Older guys know that. They know how to, to dig and stay dialed in. And when you're a young team or when you're young, young guys around you looking to see how the older vets operate, well, look at Cam over here. It's, it's man, it's, it's, it's December. It's, it's almost New Year's. This dude's in the gym at 6 o'clock. He's gotten his lift already. He's rehab And he's watching film. Dialed in, right? He's not distracted if Gillian Wallow is is on the sideline. You know, he's not distracted if if if, if Sylvester Stallone is is doing the rock. Then he's not distracted by that because he you knows his age and his time is limited. So his his patience is, and he's agitated more. So you need older guys to 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 show that to the younger guys. You don't know when you're going back to the playoffs. Things happen week after week. Things are going to catastrophic things, right? So bringing a guy like that. I think it, it, could, it could do wonders for the Eagles. I think it could, it could really help the guys on the offensive side, defensive side, and you have a big-time presence in that D-line who can carry you through the playoffs and hopefully the Super Bowl.
1: Well, sticking with the Steelers, what do you think we're going to learn from Mike Tomlin this season uh, about him as a coach, the first time having to deal with rebuilding a team really without a quarterback at the helm. Like I, You t- talk about moving uh, Cam Hayward, and I just think it just feels – sacrilegious to move a staple on that defense right sure. now but this is the situation that the Steelers are in
2: you know I, one thing i could say about coach thomas he's built for hard times right like i think if anybody has the mindset and the understanding of what it means to push through when nobody cares about you or, or is looking for you to fail he has the great mindset to do so i think right now I think he's just trying to embody everything that this team is at presently. You talk about TJ Watt being hurt. You talk about having a quarterback, a quarterback carousel between picking a Trubisky. You talk about Deontay Johnson being up and down. You talk about so many factors on the field that he has to now navigate on top of keeping this team understanding that with, with even, now, even though you're losing, you're still the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that comes with a level, level of gravity and weight to it. So I think if anybody knows how to keep the boat rowing, is Mike Tomlin. I think you're going to be able to see that. The season isn't over, right? They they can still rally, and I don't know what they look like, but one thing I know, they, they're not going to burn out. They're not going to be a circus. They're not going to be this team where you just see, the well, this team unravel. Hopefully, they figure figured out next year. I don't think you're going to get that out of them. What you may see is a team who understands they may lick their wounds, but they're going to keep fighting. And when you're when you a Pittsburgh Steelers and go look and Gola can tell you, there's there's a certain amount of grit that just comes up wearing the helmet, right? And so I think... He's going to make sure those guys in that locker room still respect the standard. And he's not going to make excuses. He's going to be be agitated because they're going to start talking about Matt Canada and should he go, should he stay. Um, All those questions he's going to be berated with, but he's always going to be Mike Tomlin. He's always going to be prepared mentally for the tough times because he has to be. And I think that's probably one of his strongest attributes because I think a lot of coaches, as much as they want to sit back and say, you know, you know, the tape will speak for herself and all of this stuff. A lot of coaches fold under pressure, too. They they, they love to say when players fold under pressure. But when you don't have no questions, and you, when you can't answer the questions, and when you don't have any adjustments, and you just say, well, we're just going to figure it out, that's how you get your ass fired in the league, right? Mike Tom is always working on trying to figure it out. And I know that because I talked to some of the guys in the building. They, they, he's always doing little things in practice to trying to kind of keep stirring the pot and, and, and throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. It,
0: it, one of the most resilient coaches. You're right, because we've all been around enough ball to see that look in a coach's eyes when you could tell they don't got an answer, and they're trying to figure it out on the fly. Oh, yeah. And when you set that tone from the top down and you can see your leader is someone who is still searching for that and is presenting it to the team like, no, we got some things that we think can work for you guys. That's hugely pervasive in a locker room.
2: Well, Mike, I call I, you always know when a coach – and you to, wait till to the back end of the season, especially a team that's going through it, they become podium slappers. They, you see this a bunch. <laughs> 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 you know, they, they hit the podium five million times. And, you know they've been up there for an hour. They're like, "Shit, I didn't answer the question." I, 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 they start slapping the podium. I call them podium slappers. So um, when you start seeing a bunch of coaches slapping the podium, they out of, they they done. They out
0: of here. <laughs> there we go. There's a sign to look for. Watch the tape and yep. see if your favorite coach is podium. You see it. Out they here. start.
2: They just. They just. You know. They they start slapping that podium. They don't know what to do, no. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to go about it. They're done.
0: Willie, I want to stick in that division. You mentioned um, looking for players that can help kind of solidify things. You talked about veteran players, and he he kind of falls into that category. He's looking for a second contract. He's been a leader on a defense. But the Ravens going and trading for Roquan Smith. You've seen that – the standard on that Raven defense for a while, been a bit under that this year as far as the mistakes you've seen, especially on the back end of that defense. How do you think Roquan Smith comes and fits into what they're doing coming over from Chicago?
2: Well, he's a monster, right? He I think he's second uh, behind Bobby, Bobby Wagner in tackles. Um, you talk about who's just been, obviously, just been consistent throughout his whole career as a bear. We knew about him in college when he was in Georgia, how much of a machine he was. But they haven't had a significant linebacker at that position. I mean, obviously everybody knows Ray Lewis, but CJ Mosley. Once CJ Mosley got got out of there, they haven't had that dominant, you know, big time linebacker that the Ravens are accustomed to seeing him. So now that they got him, now they can build around him, right? Because that's people forget they built around Ray Lewis, right? And I know that because I saw it happen. They had Red, they had Ray, and they had Ed Reed, and they had Chris McAllister, and obviously Bart Scott was kind of a young stud behind. Um, Ray, and then you had a Thomas, and I'm talking about the, the 2000 Ravens. Um, but one of the key pieces to that, to that, that defense, that historic defense, was the fact that I remember I remember this firsthand because when I when I got drafted in two thousand six, they drafted Haloti Nata. And then they didn't draft Haloti Nata out of because he was just a badass coming out of Oregon, because Ray was getting beat up. And Ray was tired of getting mm-hmm. beat up, right? And so – but you also – they still had Kelly Gregg. They still had Trevor Price. They had big dudes. They had guys who could run the defense, do their job. But they didn't have that bull. And when they drafted Haloti Nada, he was the guy that allowed Ray – to elevate his game and be the Hall of Famer we we know now today. So I think right now you're going to see the emergence of that. Now that they got their Ray Lewis 2.0, if you will, I don't think there's ever, I don't know if there's a 2.0 for a Hall of Famer, but then now that they got their next Ray Lewis, so to speak, now you're going to start seeing them. They got some guys that are coming back off injury, but now you're going to start seeing them build around um, around him. And I think it's it's evident because at, at, at some point, obviously on the defense they're going to figure it out and they're going to come together. you got to figure out what you're going to do with Lamar Jackson right he he has to be the focal point next for that team, if not already, obviously with the contract situation um but it's it was it was evident that they feel like all right, we're not out of it, we're still very much in it, but if we if we get hot for whatever reason, which they can i mean they play they play the saints on Monday night, and if they you know if they beat the saints i mean they're they're i mean they're 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 first in the division they're already, but now if they continue to be first and they continue to stack wins, now you got a defensive leader and which they need.
1: Okay, now I have something to say. I want uh, to clear the room real quick. Willie Colon has said to me behind the scenes, not on camera, but I'm bringing this take to light, that the Baltimore Ravens will never win a Super Bowl yeah. with Lamar Jackson starting at quarterback for them. Mike, uh, I at the time my feelings were hurt, but I think the NFL looked a little different, and it was just like two years ago, right? Now I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit. Boulder, my chest, are uh, you looking a little bit more raw? I, I'm feeling – because the whole league is going towards this uh, fast-moving, dual-threat quarterback, Josh Allen, uh, of the sorts. So do you, do you take that back yet, Willie? Do you, or, or do you really think that Lamar Jackson – was it because he was skinny because he's gotten thick now? Like, do you really <laughs> want to keep that standard towards Lamar Jackson?
2: <laughs> well, this is it. I saw him lose to Tua up four touchdowns in Baltimore. I seen him lose to the New York Giants, a game he should have capitalized and won. He beat Tom terrific in Tampa. Tom was riddled with injuries, Um, and plus, I think Tom's tapped out mentally anyway. But there's no excuses in football, right? I give him credit. He played. he, He played big time. I need Lamar Jackson to win a game with his arm, because we know he can run the ball. We know he loves the middle of the field with Mark Mark Andrews, but every quarterback who we consider elite, we, it can make the throws, the deep outs, the pylons. They can do things within the pocket if they have to. I just need him to suit, and I need to see him do that because I know he's an escape artist. I know he's, a, he's masterful with the football in his hands. Well, if he, he can improv like nobody's business. But we've seen time after time, come playoff time, when they neutralize, it, when they neutralize his legs, he goes one-dimensional, and he gets sloppy out there. And he gets crazy. So, no, Brandon, I'm not ready to take that back. I want Lamar Jackson to prove me wrong. I'm all about the hate and smoke. You know me. Ain't no bitch in my blood. But <laughs> Lamar Jackson right now, valid. valid he's an MVP. <laughs> Valet, he's a big-time quarterback. I need to see him win the game within the pocket.
1: I just I just feel it's it's so crazy to hear you say this, Really, because I feel like uh, the unicorn – that is Ben Roethlisberger. No, excuse me, the Clydesdale unicorn. That is Ben Roethlisberger. I feel like like he seeped into your brain so much because you won your Super Bowl with him that you just think it has to be a, a, a big ass white no. dude
2: throwing the ball. No, no, because Big Ben was an escape artist too. He was a scrambling quarterback he too. But was. big one thing Ben did well was he played behind the defense. And, was, and let me and let me let me help Lamar out. The defense has failed Lamar too at times. So I don't want to just I don't want to make it seem like it's Lamar that's out here. You know this crazy. That's not true. I thought he he's dealt with some injuries on the in the receiver position. He's had to overcome that. But Mark Andrews has been. I mean, Sharp Bateman and Andrews they've been dinged as of lately. So I don't want to. I don't want to just sit here and say it's all him because I, I I think he's I think he's been durable. I think he's been I think he's been steady. However, I just know playoff time. There's there's a there's a there's a, there's a book out there how to beat Lamar Jackson, and I don't think he's beat the book. I don't think you know that he comes with like, like if you want to beat Lamar Jackson. Listen, load the box in the run game, make him make him use his arm. And let me you know, we saw it, it's kinda like what we saw that of Zach Wilson against against the Patriots. Bill Belichick, was like, All right, let's do this. Y'all good at running the ball, I'm gonna load the box. Zach Wilson beat me with your arm. Couldn't do it. Invalid. Zach Wilson and Lamar Jackson, two different quarterbacks. I didn't even want they're not even, you know what I'm right. saying, so I don't I don't want people to come at yeah. my head on that regard. But I'm telling you there's a recipe on how to beat Lamar Jackson. So I
0: Yeah. I do wonder how much longer the Greg Roman thing is going to go on there because we talk a lot about this. A lot of people will point to Greg Roman and say they haven't done enough to advance what the passing game looks like in that offensive playbook. Injury is a big part of that, but – Lamar's going to outlive him there, whether it's on the franchise tag next year, whether they get a long-term deal done. He's going to be there, and so you wonder at some point when you mix up the bag and name of trying to add more to that, because to your point, Willie, yeah, that absolutely affects you when it comes time for December, January, and then hopefully February. Football is, can you do multiple things? I, think I, I still believe Lamar is capable of that stuff. We saw him do it over and over again yeah. in college. We've heard it from his own mouth. Like Ran a Bobby Petrino offense in college. I can work from the pocket. It just seems like it's taken so long for the weapons to get there and now to keep them on the field consistently to be able to develop that. Part of that also falls back in the lap of the coordinator, no doubt.
2: A 100%, but I also think you're never going to give your quarterback too much of what he can't handle, right? Like you, you got to move at the space. Because when you're out the gate, like you've been out there, go, look into, Brandon, you too. The game moves so fast. There's so many. It's week after week. It's a different defense coming up with something new to get after you. I think it's a matter of like we're going to do what you do best, and we're going to maximize that. So I think it's a matter of Lamar asking for more before they give him more. I think that's what I think that's just going to have to have to work.
0: You mentioned Zach Wilson, and obviously you cover that team up close and personal. You've seen this. It's been so weird because we've had New York football resurgent for both teams so far this season. Giants and the Jets doing really well in the same year. It's got to be, first and foremost, kind of cool being around the city and just seeing that energy around both these teams actually performing well for the first time in what feels like quite a while right now.
2: Yeah, well, a big part of it is that the Jets are so thirsty for just a, a halfway successful season that you know that, listen when when they beat Green Bay, Green Bay, you would thought we won the Super Bowl around here. I mean, people were coming out in green and white gear like I haven't seen before. I think people are naturally accustomed to the Giants turning it around. I don't think they're kind of shocked by the Giants' success, um, but the, the way the Jets look because they don't just look like a team that got hot. They won four games on the road. Uh, and then that's not something to just do. They're not great. They're not a great road team. So the fact that they went to Cleveland and won, led by Joe Flacco, the fact that they went to Pittsburgh and won, uh, the fact that they went to Green Bay and won, and they've done it multiple times, um, and, 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 and you know, in, in an impactful manner too. So I think right now, if you if you if you want to talk about the New York Jets, they're they're in a fork in the road because they're dealing with the development of Zach Wilson in one hand. And they're dealing with a team who's now five and three, they've never had this mo- much momentum on their side. Um, the defense is really good, led led by Sauce Gardner and Quentin Williams, and and on and on and on. Carl Lawson, and then on the offensive side, they have enough pieces where they can win games, right? And especially at the tight end position, just never had a tight end. Now they got Tyler Conklin, they got CJ, uh, you know, and and so they they have guys that can actually play in in, in offensive line. You talk about Dwayne Brown. Was 37 years old at left tackle, who got to the team because Mekhi Becton went down. And on top of that, George Frant, their starting left left tackle, went down with a knee. They lose their stud in Elijah Tucker. This dude could have easily took the bag and got the hell out of town, right? But he said no. And what I mean by that, because he was due to have, he, he hurt his shoulder. He's supposed to have uh, a season ending in the shoulder surgery. I, I struggle with that word. I don't know why. Uh, but fast forward, he said, no, I'm going to play. I'm gonna play because I love the game. So now he's he's anchoring the left side of this line on top of the quality depth they have and you know playing right now for them. So they have a team and they have depth. And so what's frustrating about the New England game is they were better than the New England Patriots. Zach Wilson made some bad decisions with the football. But then it coincides well, he's in his second year. You know, his first year he missed a lot of games because of injury. He missed this year because of injury. So Where is his development right now? And so when you see him have a bad game against New England, you're like, dang, I wish that didn't happen because the team is ready to go. The team is ready to launch, but Zach is back here. And so Robert Sala is like, all right, how much do I continue to ride with a young quarterback who we know needs time? Or do I get off that horse and jump on this horse and say, hey, if Zach's having a bad game, let's throw in Mike White, who I know is, you know, a veteran been there, done that and can be a spark for a team and continue winning in that direction. So, and uh, it, it's tough because they got Buffalo. They got Buffalo this week, and Buffalo's coming, and Buffalo's nasty. They're juggernaut. They're mean. They're fast. And they got an old, I call him the old American hero and Josh Allen. Um, so, it's it's a situation if Zach doesn't play well against Buffalo, for whatever reason, I hope he bounces bounce back and has a, has a better game and he, he plays well, but if he doesn't, does Robert Salah continue to hold on to him for the sake of him continue to develop through that, or he says, you know what, we get we need to we need to continue to win and go with somebody else? If he
0: was asking you for advice on that, what would you say is the right move with Zach Wilson for the remainder of this season?
2: I think he, you start him. I, I'm, I'm not saying to bench him at all, but I'm saying if he goes, if we were to pivot back to last Sunday. The Jets were down nine going into the fourth quarter. The game was very much unre- This pay- Patriots won by kicking five field goals and playing uh, and playing defense. So it wasn't like they were lighting up the scoreboard. They just couldn't get the offense going. And, they, and, and you saw signs where Zach would get hot, and then he would stall. He would get hot, then he would stall. So if you're in that situation again, go with Mike White. Go with Mike White because he knows the offense. He's been in that position. And boom, your defense is keeping you in the games. You got a guy who can – because at this time – at this time it's about squeaking squeaking out the dirty wins. Not every game is gonna be a blowout. Now everybody's hurting dinged up. Guys are missing guys left and right. But if you're able to sustain and win late and win gritty, that helps you later. Right? You're not you're not week fifteen, you know, with rosary bees around your head, slapping the Bible, asking God for, for another team to win, you know what I mean, or lose. You take care of it now. So that's 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 my point. I would I would I would still believe in Zach. I would still start Zach. But if he did, if he has a bad day at the office, you gotta lean on Mike White
0: what's he struggled most with that you've seen in this second year? Because we know it was injury a part of that first season, disrupted timeline there. In year two, what's still the biggest problem for Zach as a
2: quarterback? Taking the easy play, decision-making. Um, sometimes I think he, he, he gets out of the pocket too fast, and I think he puts his lineman in trouble. Because you got to understand, from an offensive line standpoint, we, we have a pocket, and you notice too. When the quarterback stretches backwards, that pocket gets narrow. When he steps up, the pocket gets wider, right? Because now the defenders now have to get, they have to find a way around us. So they spread this way. But if you, if that quarterback pulls narrow and he's just pulling, 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 well, now they start running skinny. You know, they stay because they, they have a target to run. But if now he's he escapes out of the pocket, we don't know where he's going. And if he's the lane, you know, the lane getting out of the pocket, or if he's kinda kinda stepping back, that means we we can't help you back there, homie. You know what I mean? This is our jurisdiction. This box, this is where we this is where we bang. So a lot of times I felt like he just didn't get rid of the ball when the play wasn't there. A lot of times he had an easy check down, he didn't do that. And a lot of times you could tell like he was like he was just waiting for it, waiting for it, and he was waiting for somebody to get open. And he was just holding on to the ball too long when he just gotta learn how to play another you know, play another down and it's okay to punt, be able to flip the field to help your defense out. And all these things he talked about in this person he's aware of, he acknowledged. But you you're talking about week nine right now, where teams who are good, they, they're starting putting their foot on other teams' neck. You know, they're they're starting to make their like, all right, we are them, we are him, like the Buffalo Bills. When Buffalo played Green Bay, they made it very clear to the rest of the world if you're looking for the big bad wolf, we're them, right? They they made it very clear with with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. You're talking about Ed Oliver. You're talking about Von Miller, and and you're talking about both of their safeties for the Bills were out. I mean Michael Hyde's out, but Polier got hurt. Polier got hurt that game, and they were still kicking tail. They they're so good from a depth standpoint. They're not playing around with teams. They're trying to have that. They're trying to have that bye week. They're trying to have that playoff bye so they can get healed up and get rolling. So they know where they're going. So good teams know where they're going right now. And they're not—they're not, they're not going to care if you have a rookie quarterback or whoever your quarterback is. I
1: mean, speaking of the good teams, I love the idiom uh, "Good teams win in November." I think we're—we're we're obviously heading into that season right now. But the top is obviously the Buffalo Bills. We talked about the Eagles a little bit earlier on. The Chiefs uh, are are getting stronger and stronger, and they're very real. Obviously, the juggernauts are there on the AFC. But do you think the second best team? Is the Eagles or the Chiefs right now?
2: So I think the real question is so for the AMC, um, the, the top two teams is definitely Bill's Chiefs. I think the, who's the third best team? And I think that's where you have to turn around and say, all right, well, you got Baltimore, you got Tennessee. Um, out of those two, I would say it's Tennessee because I think in the trenches, they're just built for it. Uh, I think if you're talking about Tennessee led by um, – Jeffrey Simmons, he's a dog. I think offensive, offensive, offensively, they've been able to kind of manage the loss of Tyler Lawan, and I also think Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry is a juggernaut. But also, you talking about so well, Willie. Really, what about Ryan Tannehill? Well, I think they got a young kid who they they're, they're going to put a governor's cap on. They're not going to give him everything. They're just going to give him enough where it's going to he can handle it. And they are going to tell him like, hey man, if it's not there throw away, the, throw away the ball, don't be done with the football. They're going to trust him in that manner. And we're going to see more this Sunday. Uh, but I, I just like the way they're built. And obviously, like the head coach Mike Vrabel, he's from the old school, right? It's about ground and pound. It's about defense. It's about not beating yourself and being methodical when you come out of halftime. Good teams are just out of halftime. They take what you got best, they eliminate it, and they do what they do best, and they make you eat it. Um, and so that's why I feel the Tennessee Titans are. I think what scares me about Baltimore is just their, their, their defense. And may, now that all may change now that they got Rohan Swift, uh, uh, Smith, excuse me. But I think their defense just has to be a little more consistent for me, uh, and so that's that's the AFC. I think the NFC, um, I think it's, it gets wacky because between the Eagles, um, you know, I think the Vikings. Uh, I think if you even for Christ's sake, I can't remember how to say this out loud. Beware of and I think Niners, of course, but beware of Geno Smith. Beware of them damn Seahawks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you. You can you can you can fuck around and find out. You know what I mean. The like, Seahawks <laughs> <laughs> right, you know like, might know what you what be the
0: ultimate fuck around and find out team for twenty
2: twenty two. The ultimate fuck around and find out, and I love it because I had Geno as a rookie when I was in New York, man, and mm. everything that he's been able to endure and go through, I think has made him better, and he. That's why he's at his present, and I think that's why you have to talk about him as far as the MVP for this season. However. Man, when he was with the Jets, he just wasn't ready. That doesn't mean he wasn't good. That doesn't mean he didn't have the talent. He just wasn't ready. That he needed. He needed one or two years to say, "All right, this is it. I got it. Give me the keys. I can run." Um, even if but now ready, seeing... I
0: see. I was gonna say, even if he wasn't ready, did he have the same confidence? Because I think every time he steps to the microphone, we're always amazed. You hear the quotes, and this guy never lost one ounce of confidence in himself during this time as a backup. It seems like.
2: He he hasn't because he was like that as he was like that as a as a rookie. I mean, he had that swagger about him. He signed. Listen, he he, he signed a rock nation when he got it. So when you got Jay Z and the boys backing you, you coming out to 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. That was his that was his interest. Like the kid was ready for Broadway. Um, It just didn't work out. So now that he's in Seattle, man, and, and I, I was listening to his uh, presser the other day. Um, when they asked him specifically about what, was him beating the Giants uh, a, re- a revenge game, and he said no, um, it wasn't, because one, that year seemed like a blur. He got caught up in the whole Eli Manning thing because he started over Eli and broke up the streak. Um, and on top of that, he was like, listen, it was what does his business. I'm over that. Now that I'm here in Seattle, which I love to hear guys say when they play for a, a specific team is, he goes, I'm, I'm with family now. So that means he's comfortable. That means he's out, He's playing football. He's not worried about anybody else trying to get after him or demote him or whatever. He's he, he's found the home. Um, and I think a large part of that was, no matter what you say about Russ, he was able to watch Russ cook for a little bit. He was able to embody the city. He was able, and when he got out there, he was able to do his thing. Now that, you know, Drew Locke is gone, because you understand the Seahawks were supposed to be a tanking team, right? Drew Locke mm-hmm. and Geno Smith was actually a headline this summer. That was actually a thing. They were talking about, Who's going to be their starting quarterback? Did Pete Carroll even have it anymore? They thought he was C Now, nah, they thought he was going crazy. Um, <laughs> what were they were they crazy for letting go of Russ? What was really that that happened? They're talking about trading DK Metcalf. This defense has been a shambles. Jamal Adams gets hurt. So this team was was all over the place. Now they're they're leading the division. And we're talking about Geno Smith possibly in the, in the MVP category. So I I'm I'm at, I'm at the mindset, man, like You fuck around, you fuck fuck around, find out about the Seahawks. You know, fuck around and find out, and then uh, walk walk your ass up in there with twelve men and get the hell beat out of you. So I'm I'm pulling for the Seahawks, man.
1: Yeah, I, I'm honestly – I was a little perturbed that you didn't give no real love to the Eagles, but now hearing you well, talk no, about think, it – Well, no, I
2: think the Eagles have just yeah. – I mean, yeah, no I mean,
1: yeah,
0: they're up there. Yeah, they're – The Eagles are in their own I'm category. Like, the rest of the NFC right. flipped overnight because we had all the teams that we thought – we made this three-horse race coming sure. into the season between the Rams, the Bucks, and the Packers, and all three of those teams have famously shit their pants for one reason or another so far no this season. No question. Injury, regression from older quarterbacks, all these – different things, off-season losses. And so now outside of the Eagles, we've had to take stock of all this stuff because we did not expect the majority of this. And even for a team like the Cowboys, we didn't expect the way that they would do it, flipping the script and being able to win with Dak Prescott off the field. So I I get what Willie's going at here is the Eagles have been alone in their side of the NFC. And then now as we get to the midway point, we've kind of looked around at everyone else and go, okay, we can start to make sense of this again.
2: A hundred percent, and I think, and I think if you even watch to go back to your Dallas point, the way Dallas is playing football is starting to remind me. And I'm listen, I, 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 I listen. Cowboy fans are knowing they're their own thing, right? But the way they're playing football is starting to remind me of the days when it was Larry Allen and Emmett and Moose, like they, the, the multiple tight end sets of just coming down here with Tony Pollard. Now Zeke's going to be back. Like they, they're starting to feel like the early Cowboys. And I think this is the perfect time to feel like that this time of year. So I think the Cowboys are going to have that trajectory where they're going to be like, all right, we, we got to get in this. We got to excuse ourselves in this now and start making a run. And Dak looks like he's comfortable now. So he, I was worried about the thumb, but he looks like he's all right.
1: Yeah, okay. Now the football's out of the way. Let's talk food real quick, real quick.
2: Oh, I got a, I got a great food. Something happened to me before I came on the, uh, on air, but I'll let you tell your story first. Scott. No, no, I ain't no story. What Whoa, happened is food this? related. So, so Golik, I know you're a state guy. Um, I never, I was, I knew I had to jump on with you boys and I was excited to do so. Um, but before I jumped on, I had hit the Peloton to kind of squeeze off some calories and burn the hips up a little bit. Really? Um, so I had, uh, I had a set, my, I had a, a nice T-bone steak and I had, uh, set it to room temperature and then set it to room temperature. I left it outside. So, so could get to room temperature, uh, got on the Peloton. I was like, man, I was getting tight. I got to jump on with the guys. I was like, I, I don't want I want, I want to do this right. So, I didn't have, I was fumbling around with the pans that pasta I was like, what, I got to do something. I threw my steak in the air fryer. The first time I cooked Ooh. the steak in an air fryer, and let me tell you something, my friends, that shit slaps. <laughs> me that shit no, really? it hit B. It hit, all I did, so I preheated I preheated the air fryer at 400, um, a little light olive oil on the steak, salt and pepper, that's it. 12 minutes, halfway point, flipped it over. Cook it out, had some veggies on the side. I'm jacked up. And I had it with some of my health aid kombucha. I'm not sponsored by them, but uh it's uh <laughs> hey, the hit the, cellar the, cellar the fire. No. That, hey, I was I was giddy. I was giddy coming to the pod. Was I was kidding. real giddy. <laughs> yeah. That's that how you roll scary. up here. fear. You've had a full day. You hit the whole wellness
0: program coming into this. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, exactly. And, and
1: so, Willie will get busy with some appliances. Uh, he famously one time uh, bought a ice uh, ice coffee maker, uh, even though he had a Keurig, and he just could <laughs> add some ice to that. <laughs> so he'll he'll get down hey, with man, some he appliances. Cut, he's cutting now. out
0: the middleman. That's a man who values his time
2: enough to know oh. I can't
0: wait for it to get cold. I want to make it cold
2: now. <laughs> what are you talking about? After this, I'm going to Best Buy to get a floor and rug vacuum cleaner. I can't wait to get my hands on it. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Okay, yeah, I think that was that was it. I was going to ask you what the fastest thing you you ate recently because Willie oh, uh, Willie Willy, Willy, Willy in, in, uh introduced me to caviar on on sushi, and you know oh, yeah. we, we we'll sit around and eat some sushi. They got no raw fish in sight for hours, so I, I just uh, I said <laughs> I, I got, got me ready to run day. out
0: here and buy an air fryer right now.
1: Oh man,
2: fuck. I just I'm gonna talk to Michelle about it after this. I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. There's nothing an air fryer can't do, especially like I I, can, I know how to cook, but when you're in like a crunch and you know I got two kids and my wife is like, listen, you know, fend for yourself, all right? Like I can't enough with you over here. I'm always like, all right, what what do I do? And I don't like Uber Eats, right? Like at some point you gotta be fiscal responsible. Um, yeah, so I'm just like, man, I, I got this. I got this food in here. Let me see what I can whip up. And the air fryer just comes through, man. And bang, bang, bang. Man. Happy, right. I'm like a fat, happy lap dog. I just lay on the couch, pick my teeth. I'm good. Good money.
0: Oh man, I feel like a bunch yeah. of fat, happy lap dogs in here. Willie, <laughs> this was awesome, man. We appreciate you giving us some time and uh oh, squeezing man. us in around the air fryer.
2: <laughs> I love you, boys. Keep, keep you guys are kicking ass, man. Don't stop.
1: Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, really. I want to
0: talk about Jaegermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jaegermeister? And remember to check out Jaegermeister at www.draftkingsxjagermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jaegermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jaegermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, Brandon, time to ask the question. Do you know what time it is?
1: You know I do, Mike. You know I do. I'm going to keep it slow down for the people right now, okay? Thank you for indulging me with the acapella yesterday. Here we go. We're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. Cause we're ordinary people. Maybe this, that, and the third, and the third. This, that, and the third And the third Uh, This, that,
0: and the third (laughs) Maybe we'll this and third Maybe we'll crash and burn Maybe we'll stay, maybe we'll leave Maybe you'll return
1: It's... It is. Maybe we won't survive Maybe we we'll won't, you'll never know baby. you not. Oh my gosh, I know I didn't sing it great I know I didn't sing it great, but it, it's the purpose in uh, the point of Maybe this, that, and the third Maybe this, that, and the third, Brandon That song
0: will always take me back to Everett Golson uh, Former Notre Dame quarterback who could play Ooh. Uh, songs on piano that you played in his ears. He could just listen and regurgitate it and would play uh, that song by John Legend in the hotel on nights before games. And it was wonderful
1: and it was a great memory. Yeah, he's one of those people that it's like, uh, as much as you read that, articles and they come out and having a good season. It's like, if they only knew just how talented this this, this dude was. I know. Or actually is.
0: I he asked me one time to help uh to help him uh edit a paper of his that he wrote for a music and I think it was music and technology, talking about learning um by listening versus learning by, you know, learning sheet music and reading in that way and listen like reading his paper on how he thought about music and how that process was for him was a fascinating insight to someone with a natural talent that I came nowhere near possessing in any walk of life I've Man. been a part of. So it was really, really cool. Shout out to Ev. Great dude was an awesome teammate. Hope mm-hmm. he's doing very, very well. Um, Brandon, uh, let's start off with this. And on a really sad note uh, uh, on a couple of different fields uh, yesterday in the morning, started off the day with really sad news. Uh, takeoff, one of the three members of the Migos uh, tragically uh, killed at 28 years old in Houston, Texas. Brandon, this one stunned a lot of people. Really, really sad. I mean, so many people have been fans of these guys as artists, but you just forget how young. Yeah. And 28 to me still feels like such a young age and such a tragic headline to wake up and read.
1: Yeah, Mike, it's, uh, it was really, really uh, tragic, but it's one of those that you don't know how hard it's going to hit you. Uh, uh, when, when it hits you, um, we're talking about a group that's probably been in the ether for us around 2013 and, uh, take off in Quavo where the only two members of the group that, uh, were out and active at that point in time, uh, offset Cardi B's now husband was, uh, arrested during the time where the Migos really came to fame and, Offset recently just left the group, so Takeoff and uh, Quavo just recently put out an album, Infinity Links, about three weeks ago that was really, really good, and they were on a rise, and it, it hurts because Takeoff wasn't the most popular member of the Migos group, Mike, but I'd argue was probably the best lyricist and also, like, the spirit of the group in in a real way, and uh, in a, in a time where that group really was on the downslide just because they weren't together, all three of them, uh, we talked about how their family in real life, uh, it's just really, really sad uh, and unfortunate. And I, I'm, my prayers up to Quavo and, and the entire family, um, tragic, tragic loss, uh, in, in senseless, senseless murder, another senseless yeah. uh, act of violence. And it just that that's, that's the part that seems embarrassingly enough uh what we can wrap our mind around um in, yeah. in this whole thing uh,
0: unfortunately so and the day didn't get better with news on this front adam zimmer the son of former vikings coach mike zimmer and an nfl assistant for the last 17 seasons, also passed away at the age of 38 uh yesterday he was living in minnesota while working for the Bengals. uh Mendota Heights Police Department received a call for a welfare check on Monday, and when they arrived at his home, they found him deceased inside. Uh, The office is not investigating this as a specific, uh, as a suspicious death, but. Uh, Brandon, just another one, incredibly sad, a guy who came from a football family, a guy uh, who, again, you know, 28, 38, these are all really young ages, and to see people yeah. deceased like this, incredibly sad. So thoughts and prayers to the Zimmer family, the Vikings family, the Bengals family, all, all just very, very sad, as we've talked about on this podcast, having lost teammates, members of support staff that are a part of that. That's a really, really hard thing for everyone involved to carry forward, especially first and foremost, that family. Yeah, absolutely so this is the the no easy transitions portion of the day uh, obviously we wish there you know wasn't this news to report but it didn't feel right to not talk about it at all here so we will try our best to go back to discussing things in the world of sports even as we get to to that also not really the best news as far as recent headlines in the NBA uh, we saw the Brooklyn Nets uh, move forward with firing Steve Nash after a 2-6 and six start to the season. With all the controversy going on around that team, Kyrie Irving being linked to anti-Semitic propaganda and content that he had put out there and anti-Semitic remarks sharing Alex Jones' links... All these different things. Steve Nash ends up being the one, unsurprisingly, in a league where we see coaches get fired all the time when the team is not doing well. Steve Nash, who we heard reports of this offseason that Kevin Durant wanted fired. Now all of a sudden happens here. The corresponding headline is where it gets even messier, Brandon. The Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. are apparently in the process, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, sources told ESPN, finalizing a deal to hire suspended Boston Celtics coach Ime Yadoka and a formal agreement is expected to be reached as soon as Wednesday. It tired Brandon like it's I yeah, I I don't really I'll say this Brandon. You no, we we it's... I'll say okay, this Brandon. <laughs> it is it is not surprising to me. Right No. even when this initially when the reports came out about Ime Adoka and his suspension, the details in the story of which we don't really still know, I think, the full details of it's been a lot of hearsay. It's been no. a lot of whispers, but it hasn't been a ton specific about that situation other than uh, an inappropriate but consensual relationship with a female member of that st- of the staff in Boston. And so, for that to still be something out there, for the Nets to still be working in the fallout after Kyrie Irving's press conference and his back-and-forth with Nick Friedle and the very problematic things that he is linked to right now, the fact that they would then go and compound this by bringing Ime Udoka in while he is suspended is just a reminder that while the NBA is a league that has done right in so many ways, I think when led by the players, it is one where winning is still the priority. And in these organizations, you've got a Nets team that clearly is is trying to take a page out of what we've seen happen in the NFL plenty of times. Plug your nose, endure a few days of bad headlines, but then go load up with a coach that helped the struggling Celtics team rebound in the second half of last year and make it to the NBA Finals. Like The Nets are eight games into this season, and I'm sure they're looking and saying, that guy's a really good coach who did things off the court that got him in trouble. We're willing to stomach that because we're already going through plenty of bad times with what one of our members is doing off the court, And apparently we don't care. We care about trying to right the ship and make sure our expensive investments in winning are paid off. And so it's a reminder that while this league has done plenty of good stuff here, most everyone in pro sports, I'm not trying to prop up the NFL or make them look good by any means. It's just a reminder. Everyone will appear to at different junctures, sell their souls in the names of winning. And the nets are adding themselves to that list. Even when this goes through.
1: I mean, yeah, I think they added to themselves to that list when they traded for James Harden, but Uh, You are absolutely right. It's kind of just because it's not surprising doesn't mean it's not disheartening or or a little bit troubling to see or read or to to register and understand. Um, But Kevin Durant is constantly linked to these. Once these moves happen, the innocuous social media post video picture of of Kevin Durant with. Uh, Imei Yudoku, uh, at the, uh, all America, or at the Olympics yeah. with, with Patty Mills. That's starting to circulate around. It's like, if, if, if Kevin Durant is, shown a liking to you, he could possibly pull you into his vortex at any point. And, and that includes uh, the, the Warriors when they won their championships.
0: Yeah, it, it's true. And that part's less surprising. We knew and figured Ime Udoka was going to coach somewhere again. And again, without knowing all the specifics publicly about that situation, it's more, to me, problematic that, yeah, they were going to look the other way on whatever that impropriety was, but also that the only move they were going to make in the wake of this week Had nothing to do with Kyrie Irving and his future with the team. Like the fact that what Kyrie Irving said, and you had the NBA and the NBA put out state, PA put out statements about how they are against anti Semitism and against hateful language, but. Nothing actually came to it, and there was no actual punishment for it by anyone involved so far. And so it looks very toothless because it is very toothless as far as their approach to Kyrie Irving. And so all of this, like you said, yeah, disappointing but not super surprising. And now we wait. And now we wait and see if this gets bad enough in the basketball sense for them to actually do something that they'll couch as some sort of moral position on this when that's not the case. There's not, There's been a chance to take a moral position on this. And that has not been the case. So this is another installment in sports being sports and sometimes in ways that make us deeply uncomfortable. Um, Brandon, let's get to the third and end on a good note here and something that we can actually get excited about. It finally yes. happened, Brandon. Oh, it finally happened. I had talked so much about Midnight's. I had given you the Taylor Swift album review on this podcast. I've been yes. listening to that nonstop for a week and a half now. Taylor Swift went on Good Morning America, and she did the damn thing. She announced the 2023 Eras Tour, a U.S. stadium tour for Taylor Swift that'll start in March of 2023 and end in Los Angeles in August of that uh, of that year. Um, opening acts uh, along the way at different legs of the tour are going to include Paramore, Haim, or ha- I don't know how to pronounce it, Haim, maybe. I always mess that one up. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Be ba Doobie, Girl in Red, Moona Gale, Gracie Abrams, Owen with Two N's, a bunch of those acts. I don't know, but the first ones sound really cool and exciting. Uh, Brandon, this is it. And she said, for everyone that's wondered, because she hasn't toured since before Lover, Loverfest was the album that came out closest to the pandemic and ended up getting canceled for all of those reasons. And so she said, this is going to be a journey through the musical eras of my career, past and present. And I, for one, can't wait. There is no amount of money that I am not willing to throw at getting to this concert. I have never seen Taylor Swift live, Brandon. And now to do it with this whole catalog built up and ready to fire out of the cannon into a show that is sure to blow hearts and minds away, I can't wait. Are you going to come
1: with me? (laughs) If I did, Mike, it would just be for people watching. Maybe some man on the street stuff. Uh, yeah, I, you you sound like uh, what are the Beyonce fans called? The Beehive. Yes, Beehive. You sound like the Beehive. A Beehive member. Uh, after uh, the you, Don't, you won't break my soul came. Renaissance, excuse me, Renaissance. The album came out, and everybody was like, Where, "Where's the tour coming? How much is it going to cost?" Obviously, Taylor Swift has beat Beyonce in that uh, again. Uh, announcing a tour, a tour before uh beyonce has what is it with taylor swift does she she just has all the different elements just kind of lined up before the thing even comes out like is oh, that yeah. she's always she's a mastermind brandon she's always planning always don't scheming. do that don't could you please could you please i'm okay with you quoting her lyrics to me could you please refrain from quoting any of her song titles to me it's fucking irritating no i will not But thank you for asking and trying.
0: Uh, And also, and what I think is a cool move in a modern culture of resale and tickets that has gotten really out of hand in a lot of cases. uh, Mm -hmm. She also announced that these tickets, which you can go on Ticketmaster for their verified program um, starting now through November 9th. The tickets, they've laid out the prices for them here. Um, They run from $49 to $449. VIP packages start at $199 and go up to $899 for platinum tickets here. Laid out trying to do right by the fans, which is something that's been pretty consistent with her all throughout the way, is trying to always take measure of and then service the fan experience in the best way possible. It's why she is currently the first artist in history to hold all top 10 spots in the Billboard Top 100 right now, Brandon. This woman, this woman could sell ketchup popsicles to a woman wearing white gloves right now. It's incredible.
1: Yes, Mike. Yes, she's, she's, she's doing her thing and I'm happy. I'm happy that everyone else is happy because imagine if she did her thing and people weren't happy, right? Could you imagine? Imagine Brandon. um... Could you imagine that the sheep didn't move when the shepherd said go? No. It
0: would be an issue. We're out here moving and shaking, man. Out here moving and shaking. I'm going to be front row, screaming and crying and kissing in the rain, 2 a.m., cursing your name, now, so in love that I act insane. Oh, okay. Brandon, okay, it's going to be please.
1: good. Okay. You have a lot of cities that you're tied to. Which one do you think you'll actually get your boots on the ground to see Taylor Swift? Brandon, glad you asked. So, as part of this process here where you're signing up for the pre-sale
0: tickets, you get to enter in three locations. And so I entered in Los Angeles, Arizona, and Boston as potential spots to go and do this. Obviously, Arizona where my folks are now. Boston where my brother and sister-in-law live with my nephew Jackson. And Los Angeles where I currently reside. All three are at different times of the year. I'm not ruling out pulling a little Stu Gatz on this one. Stu Gatz, famous Grateful Dead roadie. Mike Golick Jr., Taylor Swift roadie for this era's tour, maybe. I don't know. Possibilities are endless right now, Brandon. Very excited. I can't wait.
1: I was going to say there's a lot of people in South Bend that are disappointed that Chicago wasn't on that list. I know. Chicago is on the list of places she is going. It's just not
0: my first choice. I got to go with the family right now. I got to go with proximity right yeah, now. We'll, we'll see. You know what, Brandon? Not ruling anything out at this point. It is a beautiful mystery that we're getting ready to embark on right now. This woman hasn't toured in a while. There's an international tour that's going to be announced. I wouldn't be shocked if in coming years there is also a tour of maybe some smaller venues. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I feel like she's going to try and give everyone a little bit of everything because that's what she does, Brandon. She gives, and she gives, and she gives.
1: Did you did you sneak in another title there, Beautiful no. Mystery? No, I didn't. The, the way you said it, it, was, it felt titular. I'm just trying to piss you <laughs> off at every turn.
0: We hope this podcast didn't piss you off too much along the way. If you enjoyed it, download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Go ahead and check out the DraftKings YouTube channel. Subscribe to that shit. Check out the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist so you can Do see it. Brandon in all his Ball State gear. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.